Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad you're inside where it's warm? Amen. If you're not, just go outside for a minute. Praise God. Take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles this morning. Now, as you're looking there, I ran across a Something I think you might enjoy. <clears throat> Children's prayers. Now, there was a pastor that was speaking to a precarious six-year-old boy. He said, so your mother prays for you each night. What does she pray? The little honorary boy said, replied, my mother's prayer is this. Thank God he's in bed. <laughs> Another little boy was praying and he said, his, this was his prayer. He said, dear God, please take care of my daddy, my mommy, my sister, my brother, my doggie, and me. Oh, please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a really big mess. I'll say the rest of those for later. Thank you for being in the Lord's house this morning, and I, I hope before you leave, if you haven't already received, that you begin to understand that the Lord Jesus has something rich for you today. And I, I mean more than material wealth, more than, than, than physical health. There is a spiritual understanding of who we are in Christ that God wants to instill within us. Father, we come before you, Lord, today, and Lord, as always, Lord God, we come, Lord, with humble hearts and dependence upon you to move in us and through us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pave the way, Lord, that you would, Lord, even now, begin to cause our hearts to be open to the reception of your sacrifice in Jesus' name. Now, as we started this year with the theme and the teaching of community, and what we mean in that is the body of Christ coming together in common unity, common unity. And the community that I'm speaking of is the community of the believers in, in the body of Christ, and this community should affect the community outside, amen? Amen by bringing others in. And so as we look at the Bible and we see the, the biblical theme, you can call this a biblical theme, it is a holy habitation. It's God's dwelling place on earth. It's us living in God, God living in us. Are you with me? So as we, we see this, we understand our purpose. Our purpose is to, to know him and to make him, make him known. Now understand this, you can't know yourself if you do not know God. The Bible says only when you lose yourself will you find life. If you lose your life, you're going to find it. There's a lot of folks I know. A lot of guys that I went to school with, a lot of gals I went to school with, 
And I can run into them in my hometown. I can run into them, and it's like, oh, my goodness, you're still in high school. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are still in a, in a time warp. You're, you're stuck. You didn't grow beyond that. You're, just, you're, ice, you're, you're in a place in time and history, and you didn't grow past that. And so you spend your whole life trying to, trying to find yourself, trying to fix yourself trying to improve yourself, only to discover you'll never do it. you got to come to the place where you lose yourself, and then and only then can you discover who you're really supposed to be. It sounds somewhat complex to the natural mind, but to the spirit man, it's life. It's life. So we see the Word of God from the beginning as we talked about that the Lord made a holy habitation. We called it the Garden of Eden. It was the dwelling place of God and man on earth. We see that the, there was generation of man. Then we see the degeneration of man. And then we spend a lot of time on the regeneration of man. And one day we're going to see the glorification of man. Amen? So that just kind of lines it all the way through. But in, in Genesis, we have the holy habitation, which is Eden. And then in Revelation, we have the holy habitation, which is the, the new Jerusalem coming down and God tabernacling with man. Amen? So our purpose is to know him and to make him known. Now, last week, we talked about Solomon not being a type, a placeholder of the son. And we see that because the scripture tells us such. David had in his heart to build a house. Still, this theme is continuing, to build a house, a holy habitation for God on earth. Now, what we find out is the monetary value of that house, if you missed it last week, was in the number of the trillion. One trillion dollars for that house to be built in Jerusalem. Mm. A trillion dollar. The only thing comparable we have in our, in our world today is there is a $115 million building built in Mecca. But it's not comparable if you think about the trillion dollar building that God made. Now it wasn't for the idea so that God could say, look how elaborate I am. Look how I am, I am doing something just to show you I can, though he is more than able. The Lord did that to show us the value he places on his holy habitation. Now we understand as we look at the word of God that Jesus told them, he said, you destroy this house, this vessel, this temple, and in three days I'll build it again. They thought he was talking about the physical house. The temple. He was talking about his body. See, so we have, in order for us to become the house of God, we've got to enter the house of the Lord. I in him and he in me. Amen? There's a doorway, a gateway that it opens up into heaven. Where's that doorway, gateway found? It's found inside of us. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the church comes to the understanding of our purpose on earth is to know him because I do not believe we can fulfill our purpose until we understand our identity. You cannot know what you are supposed to do until you come into the 
understanding of who you are in Christ. And we spend a lot of times trying a lot of time trying to rectify, trying to lift this old man up out of the grave when we need to kill him, leave him there, and let Jesus resurrect on the inside of us so that we can now live the life that we are meant to live. And that is through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can't know your You can't fulfill your purpose if you don't know your identity. Jesus never one time, as the last Adam, never one time mistook himself for a false uh, identity. He knew who he was, and he walked accordingly. So to fulfill our purpose, we've got to have identity, but not only identity, we've got to have presence, the presence of God speaking with us, so that we may listen to fulfill the, the will of God. So that the one who can guide us in the unseen is there present with us. So that we don't fall back into that, into that area that the enemy wants to draw us into. Amen? Now, today I want you to look at 2 Chronicles 7. I'll read down seven verses here. When Solomon had finished praying, see, we... Solomon, as a type, the placeholder of the son, he has built the house. This is the dedication of the house. This is the dedication of the house. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground of the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And the priests attended their service. The Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which King David had made to praise the Lord, saying, For his mercy endures forever. And whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. Now this, I want you to see verse 7. Furthermore, Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord, For there he offered burnt offerings, the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the fat. Wow. There was so much sacrifice that the the altar itself could not contain the sacrifice. With that... I need some help. Andy, come here. Brian, I need you to stand about midway right there. Look over here. Nolan, step right back there for me right quick. 
need one more, one more helper. Tim, stand right over there. Take that right there. Go that way with it. Go that way with it. Oh, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going, keep, oh, keep going, keep going. Oh, that's good right there. Oh, 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 right there. Stay right there. Let go, let go, let go, my ego. Thank you. Take that tape and go that way. About the same distance he is. Keep go, 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 go. All right, oh, a little bit more. Keep going. Oh, oh, stop right there. All right. Nolan, right, let go. Nolan, just, we're going to have to square this off. I tell you what, you sit down, Tevin, stand up. You're going to be about right. Good, good job. All right, perfect, perfect. Watch your, watch your eyeballs. Brian, would you, would you slide down this right here, just behind, just behind Kutlia, that row right there. Kevin, what are you doing? Stand up. <laughs> nah, I was wrong. You got to get out in the altar here. Get, get back out here. Yeah, yeah. You sit down. Nolan, you're good. Nolan, hey. hey, hey. Go stand about where Tevin's. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, Tevin, you can sit down. All right, stand right there. All right, Brian, this way, this way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lean in this way a little bit. It's not quite square, but look what I'm working with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are we looking at? The bronze altar. 30 feet by 30 feet by 30 feet by 30 feet. Get this image in your mind. That was not big enough to contain the sacrifices that were being made. Let it absorb for a minute. Let it absorb for a minute. So we, we see he had to consecrate the outer court for the sacrifice. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. So, now all these sacrifices were not made in one day. It was, there was the dedication of the temple, which was seven days. And then they began to celebrate another feast, which is the Feast of Shelters, the Feast of Tabernacles. That was another seven days. So it's 14 days of sacrifices that were being made. So what were the number of sacrifices that were made? 22,000 bulls, 120,000 lambs. Now, we, I believe it was the sacrifices were from 9 a.m. to, to uh, 3 p.m. That would be the morning and the evening sacrifice. But just for, to help us in our math, we're going to say possibly it could have been a 10-hour day. So if we think about the number of animals, that see, because there's always logistics, amen? There's, the God is a practical God, and he's a spiritual God, amen? There's some practicality that we got to look at here. It took, a, there was a whole lot of moving and bad going on in Jerusalem. I think about 22,000 bulls, where are you going to house such? 
and he's going to bring them in and bring them in and maybe keep them in the field. I don't know. There's logistics involved. So you've got a, we got 14 days of sacrifice. Now we've got to map this dude out. We've got to get to the, to the logistics of it to make this thing work. So 22,000 bulls, that would be 14 days. We see that was the time of sacrifice. There would have to be 1,571 bulls sacrificed each day. That means a 10-hour day, there would have to be 157 bulls per hour. So every three minutes, if you're going to keep within the time frame, every three minutes there had to be a bull that was sacrificed in order to meet that, those 14 days. Think about it. The Lord's painting a picture here. Think about it. Now we go to the lamb. Yeah, it was like, next, next, next. But you got to drag that stuff off, amen? Somebody's got to, it's a lot of work. Talking about blood, sweat, and tears. It was just go, go, go. You got to take the awfuls now, and you got to go, you know, you got to, there's stuff happening. 120,000 sheep in 14 days. That would be on a 10-hour day, that would be 8,571 sheep per day. 8,500. That is 857 sheep an hour. One sheep every 45 seconds. Sheep and bull, sheep and bull. Bam, bam. What you saw here was not big enough to contain what was happening that day. It was the dedication of the temple of the Lord God Almighty. This house that the Bible tells us was not just made for mere mortals. It was a house dedicated and made for Almighty God to dwell but in order for that to happen, to reconcile humanity back to an awesome God, there had to be the sacrifice of the innocent. But it was only a placeholder. It was only a portrait of the ultimate sacrifice that would be made. So that when the children came into the relationship, when the heart was opened and said, Oh my God, slay me, Lord God, that you may live. And God stepped into the dwelling place of the holy habitation that he so desired. When he stepped in here, we understand the sacrifice that was made. So that we begin to understand the enormity of those sacrifices we're just having to spill out, if you will, out of that, out of that structure that was 35 feet by 35 feet, or 30 feet by 30 feet by 30 feet square. 
Not to mention, it was 15 feet high. Just a couple of feet below that projector, that is the height of that bronze altar. And it was not big enough to contain the sacrifice given for the dedication of the holy habitation, which for them it was the temple. But Paul brings such clarity to us. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not getting it. Because if you got it, it would cause something to begin to erupt on the inside of you. It is a portrait. It is just, it's not the blood of bulls and goats. It's not the sheep. It's not the lambs that come out and they babe. When they, when they, when they begin to walk out and they, they're just placeholders. But there came a day where John looked up from the river baptizing and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice at the altar is going to receive. And that altar is not going to be big enough, but there's going to be such an overflow that all of the court's going to have to be dedicated because of what's about to take place when the sacrifice is fully made. Oh my God, the price, church, the price has been paid. Oh, Israel, one day, they're going to behold him, the one in whom they pierced. But folks, there's no hope for you and I until we behold him, the one who was pierced for us. And we see what's done. Can we not help When we realize what he has done, can we not help but live in victory? How is it you have no faith? (laughs) Thomas, come here. Come here, son. Come here. I won't believe unless I see you. Get over here and I will show you. How can you believe a God in whom you have not seen? My God, look around and you can see him. Behold, the heavens declare the glory of God. Look at a baby laying in the arms, a newborn babe in the arms of a mother. and You can't see the love of God. See how a father goes out and provides for his home. Can you not see the Lord? Can you not look at the systems that are around you and discover that all of creation declares the glory of God? You see him everywhere because those that are pure in heart, they will see the Lord. If we can't see him, we need to purify our hearts. We look for him in every situation. I don't always like how things lay out. I don't like frustrations and aggravations. I don't like the world systems and taking advantage of the people of God. I don't like it. But in the midst of that, I stop giving credit to the enemy and start looking to God and say, God, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? Because if the circumstance not changing, then Lord God, you're changing me in the circumstance. Lord, I, know I didn't wish for this crucible, but Lord God, I welcome it. If I can come out looking more like you. So, we have here, see if we look at, if we look at only to see what Solomon did and say, well, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty extravagant. To sacrifice that much for a, the temple, that's, that's admirable, Solomon, that's great. But if we look at what the image is telling us and what the portrait is portraying to us, then we begin to understand that it was not a son, it was the son. It wasn't a bronze altar. It was a cross. It wasn't 142,000 animals, but it was one lamb worth more than all the cattle and all the fields and all the earth. Worth more than human sacrifice, human blood. It was worth a, a, a currency that we could never pay. It was a currency that had to come from heaven. Why did Jesus Christ come? Because we would be lost and damned without him. And it was the Father's will that we be set free. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come, the Lord Jesus said, to give you life and give it more abundant. More than, more than enough. Lord, is your sacrifice enough for my healing? Oh, it is more than, more than enough. Lord God, is your sacrifice enough for my, for my security? Oh, my God, it is more than, more than enough. Is your sacrifice enough to bring me into a place of acceptance? Oh, my God, it is more than, more than enough. Amen. More than, more than enough. It is excessive, exuberant. It is, it is mammoth. Amen. <laughs> Running out of adjectives. Extravagant. Superfluous. Superfluous. <laughs> Fantastical. Muy grande. Mucho, mucho grande. Mucho, mucho grande. Solomon dedicated the temple. He dedicated the temple as sacrifice. Moses had dedicated the tabernacle. He dedicated the tabernacle for sacrifice. All leading $8 million for the tabernacle. Worth and value for the dwelling place of God on earth. <laughs> but there's a more permanent. Moses, representing the law, was just a shadow of good things to come. It was Christ concealed. They could never carry the ark of the covenant 
It was even when they were dismantling to move camp, they had to go in and they had to cover it with the veil. No one could see that ark because that ark represented Christ. And, and, the, and the law, as the Lord Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures, you look at the Torah, you're trying to find life, and I'm standing right here. It's been, it's been, it's been veiled to your eyes. You can't see what you need to see. And so it was only whenever John had the revelation when the Jesus was baptized and then he be he said look all the sacrifices we ever sacrificed because I represent the Mosaic law I come from the lineage of the Levites I'm in line of the priesthood but let me tell you I'm going to baptize Jesus because he's after another order he's after the order of Melchizedek he's after the order of the priesthood of God and now I want to show you that the priesthood is passing on to him now, John would tell you today, I could only lead you to Christ. I cannot get down and untie his sandals. All I do is lead you to him. I can baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to bring some changes on the inside of your heart. It's going, to be a, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be transformative. My God, why would we want a gospel that left us the way we were? Why would we want a self-help instruction on how to get better and never get better? Why would we want to settle for less than being the holy habitation of God? I just want to ask you this question. Why would we settle to be a better version of ourselves when God wants us to be like Him? Amen. Listen. What we're doing, I'm shifting gears. Oh, clutch, I'm sorry. I'm grinding the gears. <laughs> I want to slow down just a minute. I believe that one of the greatest struggles we have as humans is an acceptance struggle. The reason I say that is because that was the first thing that happened to humanity in the garden. Disobedience to the known will of God brought this overshadowing of conviction cloaked us in this condemnation. Now, we are all born with a sense, if you will, of rejection. That rejection is intensified through experience, most often, if not complete, with broken relationships. See, the Lord created a family unit. And that family was supposed to bring a display of the wonderful nature of the Father, the love that the Lord has for His children, 
was supposed to bring us to that place. And even the very best parent cannot fulfill the needs of their family. See, we're made, we were made to walk in partnership with God. And if a family unit doesn't bring themselves in agreement with God, see, because whatever you come into agreement with, you have come under the authority of. If you're in agreement with the image that Adam gives us, you come under the authority of that image. It's only when you come in an agreement with the image of the Lord Jesus Christ that you come under the authority of it. So what we see my particular case, my particular case, not that my situation is any better and worse than yours, it's just my experience, okay? Born into a, a home that was dysfunctional, mom and dad divorced when I was five or six years old. My dad was a drug addict and alcoholic, womanizer. My mother jumped in the next Quickest marriage she could get into. She didn't love the man. She was still in love with my father, but she wouldn't stay with him because he's running around. So my dad goes and marries this psychotic woman. She was mentally had things in and out of the institutions, but he went and did his thing. 14 years old, my dad commits suicide. My mother nervous breakdown early on in my childhood and so it's just uh, this whirlwind of just craziness craziness an abusive stepfather who hated me because he hated my father I learned not to take that personally <laughs> when the devil attacks he hates me <laughs> because he hates my father come on don't take it so personal don't take it so personal. But see, circumstances can intensify what is already there inside of you. Rejection. 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 And so you would think that it, would, it was the mentally ill mother that had left me with this overwhelming sense of rejection, maybe partly. You might think it was uh, the abuse of a, of a stepfather that left me with this overwhelming sense of rejection. Or could it have been my father who left me? Could it have been a father who wouldn't show up when he said he was going to show up? When you're a little kid, that messes with you. See, rejection can be intensified. It can be intensified. Ground in. 
so deep into your foundation, so deeply woven into your foundation that you don't even recognize the lens that you're looking through. But if you live in a place where it's all about how good you do or how bad you do, you might be living under this attitude of rejection. If you're cautionary, that you're so concerned with the opinions of others that every decision you make is based upon your fear of what they think. Could you potentially be living under this cloud of rejection? If no matter what you do, where you go, you never quite feel secure inside. Could it be an inherited rejection that has been intensified by the traumatic things that you have gone through to leave you in this place? Or could it be your own unfortunate decisions that you have made because of that rejection. The areas that you have been guilty of harming others. Folks, this is a big deal because it's affecting your purpose on earth. It is affecting your daily walk. It is affecting your level of peace. And I'm diving deep today because I want to get to the root of it. See, because if you're always looking around as to why the room is not where the room should be, maybe it's not the room. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's when you walk in and you're angry with someone because they make you afraid. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's something going on in your foundation. See, because the enemy has his propaganda and his revelations. And see, if we know it's a lie, why would we live as if it is truth? The devil's an... He is... An angel of light. He appears as an angel of light. What does that mean? He brings his revelation, lies, and presents them as they are truth. He presents the, the lie that you are worthless and no good. You'll never amount to anything. He makes it sound so plausible. That this message is for somebody else and this victory we're talking about belongs to someone else. And if, if you really knew what I, what I have done or what has been done to me, those are lies. And he presents those as truth. And see, the only power a lie has in my life 
in your life is if it is believed. The only way truth can have any power in my life is I must come into agreement with truth. And when I come into agreement with truth, then I come under the authority of that truth. Just like if I come into agreement with a lie, I come under the authority of it. So, the Lord stages conflicts. We don't like to hear that about him, but he loves us that much. I'm going to pose a problem. Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened because I'm going to use you to bring him down. Nebuchadnezzar's going to build a statue trying to contradict the vision that God had already given him. I'm going to stage a conflict just to show him. Is there any conflicts you think in our world today that's being staged? <laughs> you think there's any conflicts they're pointing and saying, oh, that Jesus, is a, he's a relic. It doesn't matter anymore. That gospel you're preaching is not so good news, but oh, you haven't received the revelation of it because when it becomes a revelation of how good the good news is, you understand how bad the bad news is and you are ready to receive. But we, 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 we have a house that's being built. The deeper the conflict, is the ratio of the depth, depth that it goes into your foundation. Some of you have struggled for decades, need I say, all your life with being insecure. The source of that insecurity is the lie of rejection that you were born with and was intensified. But see, the depth of the conflict reaches way down deep into the soil of your foundation to bring forth the deeper revelation of the abundant sacrifice that Christ made to take care of all that rejection. We are, as Ephesians 1 tells us, we are accepted into the beloved. Man. Oh, man. Some of you just, you, some of you. I was thinking about when we lived in Scotland. Every time you get ready to mind your step when the lighting from the train. <laughs> what does it mean? You're stepping off and make sure you've got your footing when you hit. Some of you just stepped off the gerbil wheel of works. Because you came to the revelation, mind your step when you start alighting from the gerbil wheel. Would you step off of the gerbil wheel of your works that are accomplishing nothing? And now you step into the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, so that you can walk in the fullness of God. This identity is a big deal. 
It's a big deal. Why do you think the Lord said, stop, do not, no circumstances, create images? Because the Bible says they that create those, they begin to worship those. False images, they have ears, but they don't hear, eyes, but they don't see, mouths, but they don't speak, feet, but they can't move. And those that worship them become like them. But if I set my face toward the Lord, toward the completed sacrifice of God... Now, do I become a, like the dead false lies that the enemy wants to produce, those idols in my images in my own mind? No. I set myself toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and in that, I stop believing the lie of rejection, and I start believing the lie of acceptance. One last thing, and I'm going to quit. Perplexing scripture to me. The Bible says that if your heart condemn you not, you have confidence in the Lord. And then he says, 1 John, he says, but the Lord is greater than your heart. I've wrestled with that. I feel like Jacob at Peniel. I have wrestled with that. I want to be confident, Lord. I want to be confident, Lord. But my heart continues to keep failing me. But you said that you're greater than my heart. But see, Andrew said, if I be lifted up, you draw all men to him. Maybe you need to be the first partaker of that fruit. <laughs> You start lifting him up, lifting him up, and see whether or not God will draw you into a deeper likeness of his nature and who he is. If your heart condemns you not, you have confidence with God. God is greater than your heart. What is he saying? He's saying... Somebody said it back there. You get extra points. 30 by 30. My heart condemns me. God's sacrifice is greater. Is greater than my than my heart. <laughs> if I could tap dance, I would tap dancing. That's not bad, is it? Don't make me do the robot. Hear me, my God, hear the Lord. So you feel condemnation. His sacrifice is greater. So much greater. Oh God, he just doesn't get any gooder than that. All I need to do is start believing it. 
Man, what would I believe if God will provide all of my needs? I'll start paving heaven with my gold. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If I know that God has everything in control and that I don't have to do one more thing but just to believe what he's already done in me. He's just that great. He's just that great. And if you still feel that sense of rejection... I'm going to say this, and I don't care if it offends you or not. I'm not talking to you. I damn you to hell, devil. And you spirit of rejection, I damn you to hell. Get out. Get out. Get out of the hearts and the lives of the foundation of God's house. Get out. See him as the rabid dog he is. And every time he brings you something contrary to the word, tell him to shut up. The little ones in the house, I'm sorry. Shut up was a curse word in our house. Yeah, y'all, y'all listen to bigger words on the TV. So. I felt a meddling spirit there. I'm going to go on. Worship team, come on up. Some of you in this house this morning have had an aha moment. See, the, if the devil wasn't such a good liar, he wouldn't be a very good devil. If his lies were not believable, who would listen to him? You know what I'm saying? I mean, who? It's like trying to sell oceanfront property in Arizona. <laughs> if you've been to Arizona, you know full well there's no oceanfront property there. But if you've never been, you step in from a foreign land and you walk in, you don't know what's in Arizona. You don't know. So you believe it. You buy the lie. And you live that lie. Until the Lord takes you to the place and says, look around, son. There ain't nothing here. <laughs> Just want us to stop listening to the lies. Because what he's told us is true. What he has shown us is real. And he loves me enough to stage a conflict so that he can get down into my foundation to bring forth a revelation. Not just who he is, but when I die to the lie, now I realize who I am in Him. I want you to stand. We're calling it out. We're calling it out.
I hate to tell you how silly my mind is sometimes, but I was thinking about a dance-off. A dance-off? I'd have Caden as my champion. <laughs> but you remember those old goofy 80s shows where they'd have a dance-off? You'd call somebody out. Yeah, challenge. I'm calling out the enemy. And I don't want to dance. I want to dance on his head. Because I'm tired of watching people forfeit their call. I'm tired of watching a generation lost in a false identity. I refuse to give my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, I'm holding out to every generation. When they step into this world, they're going to be met by Nani and Pop's prayers. They will be there welcoming them. And I refuse to let those spirits of rejection continue in the foundation by me not doing what I'm called to do. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I'm calling out rejection. I'm not asking your circumstance. I'm not asking you what you went through. That's between you and God. But you're like, I recognize something. And I'm tired of it. And I'm not going to walk that way. I'm going to repent for listening to the lie. Because God has revealed to me it is a lie. And I'm going to ask God to give me the revelation of truth. And I'm going to walk in that. You're tired of it? You're going to call it out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Tired of it. Just tired of living under that, that cloud of rejection that has birthed nothing in me but insecurity for me not being firmly fixed in God. Come on. Come on. Let the Lord undo you. Let the Lord undo you right now. Let him unravel you right now. Let him just begin to peel back all the layers, all the layers, all the layers. Letting go all the way down to the deep part of your foundation that you stop building your house. How do you know that you built your foundation upon a lie? It's when the floods come. The floods come. And when the floods come, you get swept away. Then you're not built upon the truth. You're built upon a lie. If you get swept away every time somebody looks at you across way, then could be you're living in rejection. Could be every time that the floods come in, it's the testimony where you're at. And if you can stand in the flood through the strength of God because He's your foundation, He's the one that's anchored to, anchoring you to Him, it's His sacrifice. It doesn't sweep you away. I have a hard time believing there's more than seven people that need freedom in this house. But these seven people are going free. These seven people are going free. They're going to be liberated in this house today. God is going to bring a revelation. I need my prayer team to start making your way down right now. And I want you right now just to pray for that inner healing, the inner healing in their hearts right now, inner healing in their hearts. That's the, that's the direction we're moving right now, inner healing in their heart. You're not going to lead the way you came. You're not going to lead the way you came. Worship team, just begin to minister whatever song's on your heart right now. There's freedom.